Hello, hello, my name is Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property, seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor Podcast. All right, guys. So this is Lorena. This lady needs no introduction, y'all. Okay. She is a powerhouse and a rock star in the short-term rental space, co-founder of Sleep Lux Atlanta with her husband. And man, we have a lot of, we have a lot to talk about. Okay. So every, everything from how she converted her 12 long-term rentals into short-term rentals. All right, so she's going to be doing some teaching because I get that question a lot. You know, should I convert my long-term to short-term? How does that process look like? Or what does that process look like? (laughs) And then today, y'all, if you guys aren't following our little luxury real estate group, you're missing out this morning. Here's Lorraine's schedule this morning. Um, Med pass, done. Get off of work, done. Go and meet. Grant Cardona at the Starbucks. <laughs> that is the schedule. That was her schedule of events for today. So I am just so thrilled and so excited. And I think everyone here is going to be so blessed to have an opportunity to learn a little bit about you and, and what you're doing. So let's go ahead and get started. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So Lorena, tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, was, uh, real estate investing in the stars for you? Did you see that with your family was healthcare in the stars for you? Tell us who you are and tell us a little bit about that journey. Absolutely. It's so funny because initially when I graduated high school and went to college, I actually went to college for early childhood education. And so I was a preschool teacher for about nine years before I kind of did a pivot and went back to school to become a nurse. Um, So I kind of look at myself as like really being blessed because I've had an opportunity to be able to do just two things that I think that I kind of always dreamed of possibly doing when I was, um, you know, when I was a teenager. So that I look at is just, you know, being super, super blessed. So um, I kind of did a pivot and went back to school and got my, um, went back to school for nursing and went ahead and got my RN um, in New York. Um, That was where I was originally licensed and worked in New York for a number of years before we decided to pivot again and move down here to to Atlanta. So in terms of like real estate investing, my husband, honestly, to tell you the truth, has always been the the bulldog, I guess you could say, when it comes to real estate investing. This is kind of like a a love and a passion of, of his. 
I've always just loved houses. You know, my grandparents, they owned a house in Westchester, um, New York. They were one of the first Black families um, in the area in Westchester in which they purchased their home. And so I guess maybe that kind of multifamily, maybe spirit, I kind of maybe got that a little bit from my grandfather. They purchased a one family home and he kind of drew up the plans and worked with someone and actually had that one family home turned into a multifamily um, space, which is ironically what a lot of people have done down here in Georgia with some of these larger homes had them eventually with the houses were so big, had them eventually kind of broken down into individual apartments and turned them into multifamily. So it's kind of ironic that that's eventually the space that we purchased in down here in Atlanta. So I guess maybe kind of, I had a little bit of that from my, my grandfather, but really, honestly, I have to give all the credit to, um, to my husband, Anthony. It's really kind of his passion that really kind of drove me into into that space, into that. And that's amazing. Yeah. So you have, you're, you're big time in the small multi space, small multifamily. So under five doors, several of those. And that's what the majority of the portfolio consists of 12 uh, units, but they're small multi. Absolutely. So we own three quadruplexes. Mm -hmm. So a quad is basically a, like an apartment house that has four apartments. And so we own three of them. And so as our long-term rentals, their leases were up. We did not renew leases and we just kind of put those apartments over into uh, short-term, short-term rentals. So that is, like I said, eventually what we did. But when we lived um, back home in Brooklyn, New York, we owned two family home. We had tenants upstairs. My husband had purchased property in Philadelphia and multifamilies as well. And so rented to the Temple students. He purchased a multifamily in Newark, New Jersey and kind of did the same. So always kind of been somewhat in this space, but entering into the short-term rental space has been entirely new for, um, for us and really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. What was the, I guess the kind of the catalyst, Lorena, that um, helped you to identify, you know what, let me not con you know continue on this route with a long-term rental and instead let me you know as these tenants they complete their lease let me go ahead and pivot all of the units to uh, short-term rentals did you decide that like I'm going to do it for all or did you decide you know what let me try it out with a couple and see what happens what what was that what did that look like for you so in terms of even just short-term rental, you know, in 2015, I had like really no idea what the heck Airbnb was. It's so funny. Um, I had a friend who she was giving, having a, a party for her, her father in Chicago. We're all down here in Atlanta, Georgia. And so she invited us all to the party. We all work together. She invited us all to the party. And so one of my friend colleagues, she says, you know, we could go, we can stay in an Airbnb. And I was like, Airbnb, like, what the heck is that? Like, I had never heard of it before. <laughs> and so she says, yeah, you know, let's, let's stay in an Airbnb. So I, I downloaded the app and I looked at it and I was like, ugh, I'm not staying in this house. Yeah. Like, oh, no way. Like, oh no, we're, I'm going to curve this conversation to make sure that we stay in a hotel. I don't know 
what they're thinking about. Because in my I, mind, I was really thinking like, we would be staying in someone's home and they're staying there too, like a little room or something like that. And so I was like, oh no. Um, at the same time, um, we had some friends um, that were still living in New York that had done Airbnb um, in their home. So they had a two family and they had a, uh, an apartment downstairs and um, the brownstone and like in the walk-in, not really the basement, but kind of like the garden apartment. And they had done Airbnb there and they had been really super successful um, and really made great, 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 great money. So that again, that was just kind of like my point of reference. So um, when we purchased the first quadruplex, my husband, Anthony says, you know, we." there were going to be tenants. There were tenants. We purchased it existing with tenants. And he says, you know, I really think that we should think about doing Airbnb, short-term rental. And I was like, ah, I don't know if you really want to do that. And he says, babe, he says, just go to YouTube, do a little bit of research, and mm -hmm. then let's talk about it again. Once I did the research, and I mean, tons of just a wealth of knowledge from videos, and I said, oh, yeah. I think this is really the route um, that we should go. And once we started with the first two units and just, we just took off running from there. We just took off running. And it was really the numbers. Once we ran the numbers, it was just a no brainer for us. Really it was. Ooh, that is so good. So a couple things, and I love the teamwork. I love how Anthony, he shares the idea. You share your opinion. He says, well, do some research and tell me what you think. You went to YouTube University. That's that's. I got a degree at YouTube University. No lie. <laughs> yes, that is the first place, you know, YouTubes, blogs, all of the things, right? Absolutely. And then you looked at the actual numbers and that's when yeah. you realized, okay, there's something here. So let's talk Absolutely. a little bit about the numbers. I love to talk numbers. So compared mm -hmm. to your long-term rent, what would you say your short-term rentals are looking like these days? So compare, you know, apples to apples, just give us a snapshot of what one unit looks like and uh, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, and how much were you bringing in gross and net maybe for long-term and then short-term. What do the numbers look like? Okay, so for the apartments that we have, seven one-bed, one-bath apartments, and then the others are two, two beds, one bath. One apartment is actually two bed, two bath. I know it's a little bit confusing. No, I'm with, so, you. I'm with you. Okay, so for the one-bed, one-bath, for rent and, and our apartments are in Midtown. So Midtown, for those who are not really familiar with Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, right? Midtown would be considered the hottest area to be in um, in the city of Atlanta. Is it um, inside the perimeter? And I'm, I'm quote unquote familiar with Atlanta, yeah. but it's inside the perimeter? So it's inside um, the perimeter. Absolutely. Okay, so guys, just as a point of reference, one thing I say is, oh, we don't invest there because it's so expensive, <laughs> because it is so hot. So right. Lorena, wow. So you're you're in the epicenter of where all this stuff happens. You can walk to everything in Midtown. That is incredible. 
Absolutely. So and just the way you say Midtown, I mean, you're in the middle of everything. We're literally a between a two to maybe a 10 minute drive from wherever it is that people who are coming into the city to visit, we're right there. So whether you're talking about the zoo, the aquarium, the Beltline, we're like two, three minutes away, Pond City Market, we're right by um, uh, Piedmont Park. So the real attractions, uh, what people are looking for when they're coming into visit Atlanta, we are literally right there. So it, that is a, a, a real blessing. So to actually live in this area for one bedroom, you can look, mm, I'm thinking maybe $2,000 a month approximately for one bedroom. I mean, we can make that within um, a week or two of one apartment, depending on the length of stay for that particular guest. So what one would look to make on that unit, that one bed, one bath, in an entire month, we could make that within a week or two, depending on, of course, the nightly rate, what's going on in the city at that particular um, time, whether it's peak season, off season, you know, all of that. Even during the off season, we would make more on the nightly rate for the month than we would do just on a strict long-term rent. And that wow. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're at least 4Xing your revenue there, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Which is, so that's why when you saw those numbers, you're like, oh yeah, this is a great like, way okay, to- yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. It really did. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit about acquisitions. I know we didn't really discuss that, but I know that you have such a great reputation in the Midtown area that sometimes deal flows to you, including property management opportunities, they flow to you because of how your properties are set up and they just look great. They look so inviting. Um, your pictures are always on point and that is a page that I've taken out of your book, I've stolen your photographer from you <laughs> sometimes. And so absolutely. But could you tell us a little bit about, uh, we'll talk about two things, a little bit about the property management side and a little bit about the creative acquisition side, because I know you have great relationships with um, investors. I know yes. you have great relationships with realtors. And, and, you know, for the, for the benefit of the group, I think they would benefit from knowing how to foster some of those relationships, but because deals do flow from those relationships. Absolutely. You know, listen, in business, networking is everything. Being, um, al allowing people to know what it is that you do, what you specialize in, what you're interested in is so very important because you never know how, how things can just kind of fall in your lap, so to speak. And so for me, it's so funny, like you wouldn't think that I would be more of kind of like a reserved person, a little bit more on the shyer end, um, but I am to a certain degree. So I, I know it's shocking, but um, I am more so the kind of person that would kind of push my husband forward. Honey, ask them this, honey, find this out, that kind of thing. I have learned to really 
push myself and to come outside of the box, right? It's so very important. And I kind of attribute Clubhouse and things of that nature really allowing me to kind of grow. You can't grow in business if you're kind of afraid, so to speak, to just, you know, talk to people. So in terms of acquisition, of, you know, acquiring other properties, this is how we acquired the third quadruplex. We decided after being here in Atlanta for a number of years to go ahead and sell our, our family home in Brooklyn, New York. My husband was a lot more attached to it than I was, but we constantly kept getting these calls from investors. You know, hey, you're looking to sell your home. You're looking to sell your home. And we got that one call and the number was really great. And we decided to go ahead and sell. I'll never forget when my husband, he said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking that we should sell Wearfield Street. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go ahead and, 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 and sell. Um, this was right before the pandemic. Um, we had tenants. So in, again, it was a two family home. So we had tenants upstairs and, and downstairs after we moved down here. Our tenants on the first level moved right away. There was not a problem because the real estate investor, they wanted the home uh, vacant. They were not actually looking really for the home. They wanted the land that the home was on because their plan was to tear it down and then build a 12 story. It was the tenants that were upstairs that were just like dragging their feet. And anyway, long story short, they finally moved. This is now after, kind of after the pandemic and after um, New York had shut down. Anyway, long story short, they finally moved. We sold that home and now we're on a clock because we were planning to do a 1031 exchange. During that whole process of being in the pandemic, having the house under contract, we actually found the first or the second quadruplex, which we had already had the first one. We found the second quadruplex, built a great relationship with the seller um, on the condition that um, we sold our house in Brooklyn. The contract ended up falling through that we had here because our real estate attorney in New York kind of messed things up. New York shut down with the pandemic and there was like, our hands were tied. And Anthony and I were sitting on pins and needles like, oh my God, please, please let this place close. Anyway, just how things tend to um, happen to work out, we were able to close on that property. The property, that quad that we were under contract for, we were able to put that under contract again. Um, our earnest money, he was able to go ahead and apply it. So thank God we didn't lose all of that earnest money the way that we thought that we were going to initially. But we were still on the clock because, we, again, like I said, we were doing that 1031 exchange. We needed to use up all of this money. So we had that first, that second quad under contract. And we're looking and we're looking and we're, we were just at, at the point where we couldn't find anything that we really wanted. And where were you looking? All in the um, in, inside the perimeter for the most inside part of the area. Absolutely. Okay. By this time, so you wanted to be. You were laser focused on that area. You knew that that was an area that was definitely on and jumping. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And we were looking in Midtown. We were looking in the um, neighboring areas next to um, to Midtown. Some nice. of the gentrifying areas. We were looking there as well, and we just 
couldn't find anything that spoke to us. So the home that we had under contract, there was a home that was around the corner. And we said, oh, wow, well, this would be great, right? The home is right around the corner. Let's go and see it. This again was a multifamily. Yes. So not to interrupt you. So are you looking on the MLS? Are you looking, are you just reaching out to people? Is your realtor helping you? How, how are you finding these, Lorena? It was kind of- I know Anthony. <laughs> Anthony, he's, he's a person that likes to do the footwork. And I honestly enjoy doing it too. So mm -hmm. I love going to the different websites and going to the MLS and really kind of putting in that work. But the realtor- that was um, on the seller side of the first quadruplex that we purchased, Anthony developed a really good relationship with him. There you go. Exactly. So again, relationships, right? Developed a great relationship with him. I mean, we love him. He's almost like family. He was the person that kind of assisted us in finding this second quadruplex that we put under contract, right? right. So now again, he's now trying to help us trying to find this third place that we need to kind of get rid of all of that 1031 exchange money. So he had taken us to see the place that was around the corner and we weren't like really in love with it. You know, we were like, well, I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, we can go ahead and purchase it if we had absolutely nothing else that we could find. It just so happens that there was an apartment in that um, house that we were unable to see. It was a mix up with the realtor and letting that tenant know that we were coming. Anthony decided to go ahead and see it the next day. And I was like, babe, you know why? I says, we don't even really like this house. He says, nah, something is just telling me I should go and see it. He did the next day, go back to see that apartment. They saw that apartment, but the quadruplex that we had under contract, there was a house that was right next door that was being worked on. That realtor that um, we showed us the home that was around the corner said, you know what? Um, I got another house that's right there on Monroe. Um, it's not on the market yet. My, um, he's the owner of this one here. It's going to come on the market really soon because they're doing some work on the house. You guys want to see it? This was that same day, that next day that Anthony went to go see that apartment. They were like, yeah, sure. Like, what would the heck would be the luck that we would be able to get a third quadruplex right next door to the second one that we had under the contract? Anthony went and saw it, fell in love with it. It just made the most sense. He called me. He's like, babe, you're not even going to believe. We, I found, remember the, the house next door that they were working on? He says, this is it. This is the one that we need to put under contract. This synergy just makes sense. God forbid, if we ever wanted to sell, you got two quadruplexes right next door to each other. I said, baby, it makes no sense. I don't even need to see it. Let's go ahead and do it. And that's again, how we were able to use up all that 1031 exchange money. We purchased those two quads right next door to each other. That second one was all two bedroom, one bath apartments. And that the rest was history. That is incredible. And I can so again, just imagine like networking and relationships, just like what you were mentioning. Absolutely. And I can just imagine your cleaning team, your systems, everything that you're building around, they're in one location for a good portion of the portfolio, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And it really makes life easier for yes. sure. Yes. 
You know, initially I was the cleaning team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about that. Yeah, give it to us, lady. Yes, initially <laughs> we had that first quad. Again, um, we did have some long-term tenants there. So um, there were two long-term tenants, two were empty apartments. One apartment we did a full gut renovation of. I mean, we added on to the apartment, we added on a deck, I mean, lots of work. So when that was finished and we did decide to go ahead and venture into short-term rentals, I was the cleaning person. That was an extra source of, of revenue actually for us, really mm -hmm. just trying to make it through this whole process, right? But as we began to rapidly grow, it was not, I mean, there was no way that we would be able to, I would be able to clean all of those apartments. And we have had a person kind of like work with me here and there, but it just, like I said, we just grew so rapidly after acquiring the uh, other two uh, quadruplexes, we had to begin to develop a team, a system to put in place so that we could begin to kind of brand because our part of our brand, a part of the brand for Sleep Lux is making sure that when we are offering these units to our guests, right? Because we kind of launched these things all in the middle of the pandemic. And so people are sensitive to their environment and where they're sleeping. And so our, our brand was to offer immaculately clean accommodations. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how many five-star reviews that we have received that cleaning was always mentioned in the reviews. Oh my goodness, everything was so clean. Oh my goodness, everything was so clean. And it was a real source of pride. You know, so um, again, it grew really rapidly. So we had to figure out a way how to kind of keep that quality, but we needed to have those extra hands to be able to help us through the cleaning process. Yeah, absolutely. Because at that point, you know, you want to start strategizing and working on your business, not necessarily in your business. And so leveraging the help of others training your cleaners so that they can understand how you like things to be cleaned and auditing them. That's a lot of work too, to train, to audit. That's still quite a bit of work um, before you can kind of hand over the reins to them, you know, to do that. So that's incredible. Absolutely. And the other thing, it's a mental thing too. It's not just having those systems in place and then turning the reins over. Like this was my baby. I mean, literally, it was like my child. Um, my entire home, my entire personal home, basically was sitting as the foundation of our Airbnb business. I was doing all of the laundry. Um, eventually, that got to be too much. I couldn't do it in-house. And so I was doing the drop-off um, to the pounds laundry and having them do it. And... I still had a certain way in which after it was dropped off and picked up, I had a certain way that I wanted it sorted and done. So again, a lot of that, putting those systems in place, a lot of it had to do with up here and me being able to kind of release it to someone else because it had become such a part of what I was doing on an everyday basis. But again, like what you're saying, Rachel, 
You cannot necessarily work on it if you are so hyper-focused on working in it and you're not able to kind of train and release. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that you guys have big things and I can't wait for us to come back on this and talk about uh, <laughs> the, um, the spa. We have some spa yes. dreams in the future and yes. you can really get creative and think about that kind of, you know, business when you're short-term rental business is up and running and someone else is working in it. So I, I'm thrilled to see um, how that develops. So lady, relationships, talk about relationships. Today, you met Grant Cardone to talk about a hospitality slash healthcare residential play relationships. Would you say that was the biggest <laughs> thing that kind of um, created that meeting really? Um, absolutely. Again, networking and relationships. Listen, I say all the time, Rachel is my clubhouse BFF, right? I mean, we <laughs> develop this relationship with each other that we have encouraged each other. We have been each other's cheerleader. You know, we have loved on one another and we have not even had the opportunity to sit down and meet. We commiserate together too. We kind of complain together and oh, whine. <laughs> All of it. You know, but again, that helps to kind of push us forward for, for the next day, right? And yes. it's all that, that, um, that connection through Clubhouse. Again, me kind of just being the person that I am, there's no way that I would have done that before. None, yeah. you know? So that began to be the first initial steps to just kind of like branching out and networking. And yeah. going in these rooms and actually raising my hand and, you know, just from asking a question to now actually being moderator on a stage. Yeah. Again, just like you said, networking. And these people that you have the ability to be in these rooms with, they're people just like you. They just have maybe more money or more opportunities or had whether it's more opportunities to gain more money or gain more knowledge However, my mother has to say, she says, closed mouths don't get fed. And so if you are afraid to ask for what you want, you will not receive it because no one is going to come, know what's in your mind, know what you want to hand it to you on a silver platter. You know, even God himself, he's going to allow for those doors to open for you, right? To create those opportunities but it's not going to be handed to you on the platter. You have to go out there and you have to get it. So in speaking about this, this opportunity to me, Grant, this came from a relationship again through Clubhouse. Um, Dwayne, who is our business partner, he happened to be in a business credit room that I was modding in, again, building relationships. And he began to speak about this home care business that he was really interested in and wanting to learn a little bit more about business credit to kind of help fund that business. And one of the roadblocks that he was experiencing in this business was he didn't have a nurse. And he's also based down here in Atlanta, in the Atlanta um, metro area. And I, remind us what you and Anthony do for a living again. Sorry, we are both registered nurses. Um, yes. Yes, Anthony, he's actually on the newer end of being a nurse, but he's <laughs> a very successful um, ER nurse. He's been an ER nurse for about eight years now. 
And I have been, I've done almost so many different things in the nursing field, but I've been a nurse for 16 years. So again, a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. Currently I'm in the women's services space, but like I said, I've done a variety of different things within the nursing field. And so with Dwayne kind of asking that question in the room, I responded as a moderator and I said to him, hey, Dwayne, you know, I'm a registered nurse. Let's connect offline and let me see what I, what I can do to be able to assist you. And we made that relationship. We took it from the clubhouse to the real house. Real house, yes. Um, and connected <laughs> offline. And he really, when I tell you the level of just, professionalism. You know, a lot of people kind of want to jump into business and they're kind of piecemealing things together, but they don't realize how that presentation has to be tight and exact when it comes to your advertisements and your website and all of these things. And Dwayne, he, uh, his background is IT. It was just, I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, the presentation of it all. And so he, we talked offline. He says, you know, really, I need a nurse to get this whole thing going, to put on our paperwork and to back the business. He said, I had someone that I had met, but she's not in the perimeter. She lives outside the perimeter about maybe about an hour and a half to two hours away. It was very difficult for him to kind of even connect with her for meetings. He was afraid that she would not be able to really be accessible to support the business. I says, Dwayne, you know, I live in Marietta, you know, I don't, it wouldn't be a problem. I'm in the city all the time. Um, let's see how we can work this out. As he began to continue to talk about it, I'm like, wow, this is a real great, really great opportunity. I spoke to my husband, Anthony, about it. And I says, babe, I think this would be a bigger opportunity than me just supporting being his nurse. Let's sit down. Let's meet with Dwayne and see really how the three of us can kind of come together and we can leverage what we know as nurses, what we can bring to the table to match what Dwayne has already put together. We had that meeting and we were able to kind of sort that out. Dwayne kind of calls us the Holy Trinity now, <laughs> which is so funny. But again, bringing it back to networking, Dwayne happened to be in a room on Clubhouse and Grant Cardone was in that room. And he's- that's exactly what he said. He says, while other people were in that room asking Grant, how does it feel to ride in a, in a private plane? He was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste this opportunity with this guy. He says, he's in this room for a reason. And he, he went ahead and he said, I'm gonna shoot my shot. And he yes. and literally this is like midnight because Dwayne knows that I'm always up late. I'm, I'm a night nurse. So there are plenty of times that I'm actually off work that I'm up two and three o'clock in the morning. And so Dwayne's sending me a message at midnight. He says, you won't believe I'm, I'm shooting our shot with Grant Cardone. And I was like, oh my God. And Grant really liked what he had to say. And they again spoke back channel offline. Dwayne, I'm sorry, Grant put him in contact with his people, his assistant and all that. He says, you know what? I'm coming into Atlanta on Wednesday. Dwayne was thinking that it was going to be next week, Wednesday, not Wednesday today. So this literally all happened like day before yesterday. He says, I'm coming into Atlanta. I'm flying in. He says, I have about five minutes. He says, I have about five minutes. He said, if you guys could meet me at the airport, 
Let, let's talk about it. And literally Dwayne texts us and he says, listen, what are you guys doing tomorrow at 8 a.m.? He says, I set up a meeting for us to meet with Grant Cardone. We were like, we're meeting with Grant Cardone tomorrow. What do you mean what we're doing tomorrow at 8 a.m.? Right? I had to work and I says, you know what? I don't care. By hook or by crook, I'm going to be there at that meeting. Um, Anthony happened to be in town. He's on a nursing contract in New York. Um, but he happened to be in town. So he was off. He was actually leaving later on today. So it was not going to be a problem for him to be there. The problem was, again, for me. I can sometimes be a little bit of a defeatist purpose person when things necessarily don't go the way that I'm anticipating them to go. It, I can be kind of disappointed, getting my feelings, so to speak. And I'm like, oh, maybe it just wasn't destined to be, right? So that kind of happened yesterday. I went to work last night. It was a hellish night. It started off great. I'm thinking wonderful because I'm going to be able to leave here at 7.15 instead of 7.30 because I want to be there early for the meeting. And the thoughts of me leaving at 7.15 in the morning quickly dwindled away because of how the night had gone. And now the day shift is coming in. And I'm giving report. And I'm looking at the clock and it was just I'm not able to leave. I'm not able to leave. And just five minutes after turned into six minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes and then almost 30 minutes over time now I'm at work. And I finally finished. You're supposed meeting. to be meeting Grant at a uh, private a, airport. Yeah. A, Absolutely. Yeah. And the airport from where I work in Midtown at the hospital was about maybe 20 odd minutes away, you know, kind of with no traffic. And I said, I looked at the clock and it was about maybe almost a little after 10 minutes to 10 minutes to 8 a.m. And I ran out. I got my clothes from my locker. I didn't even change my clothes. I got my clothes and my shoes from the locker. I still had on my, my hospital scrubs and I ran, I clocked out and I ran out the door. I ran to the car, got in the car and I, I called Anthony on the phone and I says, babe, what's going on? And he says, nothing, you know, we're sitting here waiting for Grant. And I says, okay, great. He's not there yet. And he says, nah, he says, but you know what? You might as well go home. He says, because by the time you get here, we would have already had the meeting. And I says, I'm not going home. <laughs> I am coming. I says, I don't care. Yeah. I says, if I get there and he's already left, I could, I don't care. I am going to come. I was determined. Yeah. And I did. And when I tell you, Rachel, I drove like a bat out of hell. <laughs> I made it there in like 20 minutes and I walked through the door and I actually, I, I, when I got into the parking lot, I called Anthony and he said, I said, what's going on? He said, we're still waiting. You know, he hasn't made it yet. And I says, yes, <laughs> because, you know, everything in me said to go home. I'm My home. back was killing me. My oh. shoulder was hurting. I was hungry. I had to pee because I had to pee <laughs> yeah. like, 10 hours, I had gas because I was hungry. I'm everything that, you know, anyone who's on this, on this live right now, who is in the medical profession, whether you're a tech, whether you're a nurse, you know how those shifts can be where you barely get a chance to eat. So you're whooping down your food, which causes all this gas in your stomach. You don't have a chance to eat. You're overtired. So all of that was happening. The night was hell and everything kept saying, just go home, just go home and go to bed. It doesn't even make sense. But I went ahead and I pushed through and thank God that I did. We had an absolutely 
amazing opportunity to sit down with Grant. That five minutes that we were promised turned into 15 minutes. I was so, I mean, yes. Like how many people have, you know, have had the opportunity to have a captive audience with someone like Grant Cardone? Billionaire in the real estate space. It is incredible. Like what an opportunity. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. This is a well-connected investor in this space. Oh my goodness. And I cannot wait to see the types of deals that you all have on the pipeline after such an incredible experience. Absolutely. Such an incredible experience. So I know investors are knocking down your door, you know, because this is, I mean, this is it. Absolutely. It taught me a lot of things. The first thing that it taught me was what my mother always says, closed mouths don't get fed. If you don't ask for what you want, you will not get it served to you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is nobody's ice is colder than yours. You know, Grant has done amazing things in his space. But if we were afraid or just intimidated, oh my God, he's Grant Cardone. I don't want to talk to him. We would have never been able to have that opportunity. When he met with us, he treated us like, I mean, he was just so kind and so humble, such an amazing person. And so when we thought back, we were like, this is a person who is flying in to do whatever he's here to do. He gave us an audience that turned from five minutes into 15 and was generally interested in what we had to say. So nobody better tell me they're too busy for me because this man who has so much to do and does so much had the time, right? So if you don't have the time for me, then maybe you're not the person that I need to be working with, right? So that was another thing um, that it taught Mm. me. But again, Mm. just networking and building relationships with people. And whether we're able to have this opportunity to grow this idea with Grant and work with him or not, right? That isn't, it doesn't even matter. What really matters is the message to walk away from this is, dream bigger, dream higher. Literally the initial business idea that we had, we knew that it was too small to present that to Grant, right? And so within 24 hours, we put together a vision and a plan that would that was bigger, that, that was something that we knew that we would wanna do eventually. We hadn't kind of really talked about it, but we knew that eventually down the line, that was something that we would want to do. And so it just allowed us to really put it more so in our mind to manifest that and put it into place. So whether it's working with Grant or working with somebody else, or we just do it on our own, we have to dream bigger and higher. It's if you do the work, it's obtainable for you. So, yeah. Wow. And and I think that's so incredible. You know, you and your husband are coming from a healthcare background. You have been vastly successful in the real estate space. And then now you're interacting and operating at a whole other level, especially with interacting with those who operate at that level. I love what you said about, you know, if you don't have time for me, then you're probably not for me when it comes to that and carry that, you know, that just gave me chills because 
Yeah, yeah, because time matters and the ability for someone to make time for you and, and to um, kind of want to foster that relationship with you, it, it really matters. And so thank you for sharing that. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. So speaking of um, asking questions and um, mouths that aren't, what, what did you say your mom used to say? I love it. She says, closed mouths don't get fed. Don't get fed. Well, we have an open mouth from Deidre Clements Rowe. She has a question. Yes, Deidre. So I love this question because this is actually one of the reasons I fell in love with you on Clubhouse as my BFF. I was like, this woman is giving out so much game, so much value. She wants to know, do you have a resource for someone who just wants to get started? Okay, resource for someone who just wants to get started. I honestly would tell you, start with YouTube University. My resource on YouTube has been Sean Rakijic and his video. So on YouTube, he is Airbnb automated. When Anthony, and I'm telling you, I literally went from in 2015, ugh, and that was literally my attitude. Ugh, I'm not staying in anybody's house. Right? That's weird. Now, <laughs> that's weird. Exactly. That's I'm weird. like, oh, I, we don't do that, girl. Like, is that place going to be clean? Like, whose sheets am I sleeping on? No, we're not doing that. Um, but word, his videos devoured them. I mean, I watched them at home. I watched them in the car on the way to work. It became TV for me. And so... Once we kind of decided that this is what we wanted to do, I began to eliminate the, the noise of other things so that I truly could take it in and learn. So that would be my, my, my suggestion to you, Deidre, is start just kind of learning. Go through Sean's videos. Learn, first of all, what really is a short-term rental? You know, people equate it to kind of Airbnb. Airbnb is just a platform. It's just a way for you to market your property. But again, you need to learn what short-term rentals are and then how you are able to enter into the game, whether you want to enter it in as a homeowner, whether you want to enter it into the game as a person who is doing the arbitrage business model. So again, you can begin to learn all of that terminology through those videos, but then also you can join me on Clubhouse. I have a club on Clubhouse myself and my other BFF, who I learned so much about. She was such a, um, a stabilizing force for us in learning more about doing our short-term rental. Her name is Tamara Jones. She's here on Facebook and we kind of work together on, on Clubhouse and we're doing like some teaching. We have a 10-part series that we are doing to kind of help people learn like, what is this space and how do I get in? And you know, what are some of the ways that I need to, to do to be able to be successful in this space? So again, to land my plane, go start off with that YouTube university, join Rachel's Facebook groups, follow me on Clubhouse and join us um, there as well. When, when are your um, rapid fires on Clubhouse? I know there's uh, certain Tuesdays of the, of the month or is it every Tuesday? Remind us again, Lorena, so that we Thank can make you. sure. Thank you so much. So we're doing that uh, every two weeks. Every and two weeks. the reason why is because a lot, unlike maybe some of the other rooms and not knocking anybody, we really give a lot of detailed information, you know, yes, doing the research, 
And yeah. so we have an outline that we follow. So it's not just come into the room and ask questions. It's listen to the presentation. Of course, in the middle of the presentation, we allow the people who are in the room to come on stage and ask questions and get more clarification based upon the things that we're teaching. But we're actually almost kind of teaching almost like a little bit of a mini masterclass, so to speak. So again, that's why I would suggest kind of joining us. The room is called Airbnb slash STR Superhost. Um, you can find us there on Clubhouse. And again, following you, following Sean on, uh, on YouTube and just really devouring this information and kind of beginning to learn where it is that you want to or how you want to enter the space in terms of your business model. Absolutely. And the exciting part about the space is that there are multiple ways to host, which is great. What I love about you and TJ's room and our little room, because I've been invited as an honorary <laughs> in the room and I love that, is we're learning how to do it the right way. That's the key. That is the key. And that's what's going to keep us protected as business owners. If we're all operating at a higher level of quality, that's really going to be key. So we're learning how to do it the right way. And I, I love it. I always have my pencil out to take notes as well, because there's a ton of value in, in that room and in those mini masterminds that you all have every other uh, Tuesday. So thank you for that. So tell us, and I know, I mean, we had an agenda I got super excited about networking and relationships because that is the cornerstone of our own relationship is, is build a little mini network. But for those who do have long-term rentals, I do not want to disappoint. Can you give us some keys and, and we can continue this conversation for sure, but give us some keys, some starting points on the question that I get asked oftentimes from investors, how do I transition my long-term rental into short-term rentals. And I know that you have some great resources to help with that. I know you've helped me and I know you have the ability to help others uh, either, you know, give guidance. They have their, you know, done with you. You can do it with them. You can do it for them. You can just give them counsel and guidance. So what are some keys? What are some key steps and, and some based on your lessons learned on how do I transition my long-term rentals into short-term rentals? Okay, so I would say that the first thing that you need to begin to look at are your uh, the leases of your tenants. Um, you really kind of need to go through those leases with a fine tooth comb because you don't want to violate anything within the terms of um, that lease because it's a legal binding agreement. Um, so you wanna make sure that you have an understanding of when you need to let your tenants know that you're not going to be renewing those leases. A lot of lease agreements, the way that they're written is that it will automatically roll over unless the tenant or the landlord provides written notice that you're intending on not renewing um, that particular lease. So that's what we did. I, that, and that was honestly my job. <laughs> Anthony charged that to me. He was like, babe, look at the leases and figure out, you know, where we're going from here. So I did that. I went through the leases. The terms of our agreements with our tenants is that we needed to give them 30 day notice. I decided that given again, the pandemic and everything that was going on, let's give them as much notice as we can. So we decided to go ahead and send out our letters. Um, we gave them a 60 day time frame. And we felt that that would really be able to 
allow, afford them the opportunity to transition from where they are staying. Because the tenants that we had, a lot of them had been in these apartments for a couple of years. And so, you know, in your mind or in a lot of times the tenant's mind, this is theirs. They kind of develop a level of ownership to it. And so we wanted them to be able to transition to somewhere else where it, they would be happy and they're not just kind of moving out because that time frame is ending. So we went ahead, I sent out uh, emails to each tenant. I kind of had a calendar and wrote down that 60 day time frame and when those uh, letters needed to be sent out. And so for each set of tenants, those were sent out. Like I said, it gave them that 60 day um, time frame. And so that 60 day time frame was almost like a ticking clock for us because then we had to begin to get ourselves prepared. So one of the things that you know if you are a long-term landlord is once your tenant moves, you have to return uh, their security deposit, right? So not only are we, we, are we returning a security deposit, but then we are now trying to do any kind of upgrades or repairs to this apartment if need be. And then also preparing this apartment to be placed in the short-term rental market space. So preparing to return the security deposits, you have to once again, go back to the terms of the lease and see what that security deposit was. But also having kind of in the back of your mind as the long-term landlord, that there are possibilities to deduct from the, um, the security deposit based upon how again, with the terms of the lease, how that apartment is now returned to you. And so with a couple of our tenants, there were some uh, availability to kind of do some deductions based upon how the apartment was returned to us. But um, for the most part, uh, most of our tenants uh, received the full security deposit back. So we had that to do. We had, again, a couple of the apartments really needed renovation. And so we jumped into that right away, getting, so we were really trying to do a maximum of a three-week turnover because every day that that unit is not being rented, whether it's rented long-term or rented short-term is money that you're losing, that you're not going to be able to recoup back. So nights or short-term rental and a long-term rental is going to be a different product, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, it's going to be a different product. With the long-term rental, you can, once that apartment is ready, in terms of it's if it's in rentable condition, you can go ahead and put that online. Whether you're going to market it on Craigslist or um, there's, you know, apartment finder, whether you're going to use real estate agent, there's so many different ways to get those apartments rented, right? As a long-term rental, but it's just basically, if it's in rentable condition, boom, you're looking to get it rented. If you are trying to do the short-term way, you are now, I think even more so looking at this apartment almost through like a finer tooth comb, because you're now switching your mindset, not only from a long-term landlord, but now you're switching over into a hospitality specialist. So, you know, when I do like my little lives and things on my Instagram, I often say, hey, this is Lorena with Sleep Lux. I'm your hospitality specialist with Sleep Lux because the mindset, again, we talk about the mind, right? You're doing a mindset change because now I'm not just your landlord 
in a short-term space, I'm offering a service to you, a hospitable service to you, and you are now my guest. So I'm setting up this unit so that you can come in and basically live, whether you're living there for one night, a week, 28 days. We do a maximum of, of, of a 28 day for you know a few different other reasons. But again, you're setting up this space so that this individual can just come in with their bags and have everything accessible there for them. So I'm talking everything from your iron, your soap, your pots, your spices. I mean, just literally everything that a person would need to be able to walk in that door and just um, be able to live. So you're kind of setting up your space. I know you say this all the time, I love this, to focus on who your client avatar is, who's that person that you're looking to attract to your space. You're kind of setting up that, that apartment or that home to attract them. But again, it's starting from the beginning. So I often say to people, imagine that you're moving from your parents' home for the first time, right? You're getting absolutely everything to make that apartment a livable and comfortable space. Awesome, awesome. We have a question. Uh, PJ wants to know, did your corporate structure change when you transitioned from long-term to short-term rental? That's a really, really good question. And I would say kind of like yes and no. And the reason why I would say that is because how we entered into this space is not kind of in the sense how I would recommend other people to enter into this space. If you are entering into the short-term rental space, yes, you need to think about your business structure. You need to have that foundation, particularly if you're entering in to the short-term rental space, trying to arbitrage. It is so very important that you have your business entity set up properly. Now, with that being said, for us, we didn't necessarily do it that way. And it's not because it was the right thing to do. It was more so everything was just happening so fast and we were acquiring these spaces. And then, I mean, we had four tenants move out over the summer from two different quads. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. One thing happened after the other. And it wasn't necessarily, I would say initially really sat down and planned out, so to speak. But if you know that this is what you want to do, then yes, you need to set up your business entity the right way. You need to make sure that you have that foundation, particularly, like I said, if you're planning to arbitrage, because you want to go to that landlord or that property manager as a business entity. Hi, I am so-and-so from so-and-so business, not hi, I am you know, Jane Doe, and I'm interested in renting your place to do Airbnb. You don't want to do it that way. You don't want to personally guarantee anything. You want to come, like what you were saying, Rachel, as a professional business entity and doing it the right way. Awesome. Awesome. And again, like we mentioned, there's so many ways to host. So leveraging and positioning that for sure. And I know for the tax benefits, you know, definitely Absolutely. how you set it up, you can leverage tax benefits. And um, that's a, such a great question. And I'm actually sourcing someone, PJ, to come on to talk to us a little bit more about taxes, how to make sure we're taking full advantage. There are so many tax benefits, right? But then there's 30 days versus less than 30 days. And due to the pandemic, 
you get to do a little bit of both. So it's like, how do you stratify this portion was 30, this portion was less than 30. And so that's definitely something to look at. Uh, another question right now is asking, and this is something that we can uh, definitely deep dive, but give, give us your first impression on this. How does one go about figuring out what's a good sweet spot for number of bedrooms, bathrooms to stay desirable over other STRs in the same market? That's a loaded question. That is, that really is. For us in the Midtown market, we really have found the one bed, one bath to be a sweet spot for us. So with our one bed, one bath, the way in which we set it up is we allow to sleep four. So mm -hmm. we do queen size beds. I know some people prefer king size, which is, I mean, fine as well. It's just that we initially started with queen and we just decided just to kind of stick with that. But we do queen size beds. Easy. You can standardize it, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we started with, like I said, the queen. So we'll have a queen size bed in the bedroom, but then we also do sofa beds. And that's a queen also, typically, right? We, absolutely. We particularly look to source queen size sofa beds. And we kind of found the ones that we've, we've gone through a whole bunch. So now we kind of find the brand and the model that we like, and we kind of stick with those now. But yeah, so we have found, again, like those one bed, one baths are the sweet spots. And you would be surprised. Why? You Tell me, spill it. I didn't know about that. That's a great yeah, question. Right you know, now. you would think that people, like as a couple, I mean, we have couples, two couples, and you would think that they would want a two bedroom. I know they don't mind the extra couple sleeping in the living room. And I think that it's perhaps maybe a little bit more cost efficient for them. Mm -hmm. You have a group of girls, it'll be four of them and they'll all um, go and rent the, rent the apartment. And again, you know, I would think that you would want the two bedroom for more space, but I mean, even with our two bedrooms, we have extra listings for them where we actually market them as a two bedroom and as also as a one bedroom. Again, because the one bedroom was such a sweet spot for us. And again, I don't know if it's, we're seeing that because of like the pandemic and people are wanting to kind of travel, but then also maybe being a little bit mindful of their coin and thinking they can kind of get a better bang for their buck by the four of them staying in a, in a one bedroom, but it has really, really worked for us. And so to specifically kind of answer that question, I think that if you're trying to carve out a niche for yourself, right? in a certain space. There are lots of different ways to do that. Number one for us, what has really worked is location, location, location. The apartment or the house can be absolutely beautiful, but you know what? You can't beat our location. <laughs> There's no overcoming that, right? So no matter absolutely. what you do, you can do so much to your home, but you cannot like uproot it and put it in a better and location. put it somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's the so thing. That's really important when choosing. It's very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But again, if you're looking to arbitrage and you begin to run those numbers for yourself, what that rent is going to look like and what you think you might be able to negotiate in terms of incentives and things like that and what you're going to be getting per nightly space, maybe that prime hot location may just not work for you. And that's okay. 
But then that's when I think you pivot and you begin to focus on that space itself. How can you make your space different from everyone else's space that's on, on the market? I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Coach Cav. This is something that I learned from him, adding unique value. That is his term. He uses that all the time. How can you add unique value to the market that you're looking to enter? So again, for us, if you can't get that hot location and you kind of have to pivot and go elsewhere, how can you now enter that space and add unique value to your guests? Whether it's going to be your amenities that you offer, you know, maybe everyone in this particular area, no one else is pet friendly. Get it out of your mind that you don't want to have pets because it's a business. And maybe that's going to allow you to offer unique value. Um, it could be certain amenities that you're offering to the guests who are visiting. Maybe you're offering a, an office workspace area. You know, maybe you're going to add in a printer and a fax machine and all this other kind of stuff and high speed internet. And that's going to attract people to, to your particular short term rental over someone else's. So again, going back to what Coach Cass says, figuring it out and trying to offer like that unique value. That's amazing, um, Lorena. And so I know that's something that you do so well and you build your systems around. If you're going to add the unique value, be prepared to build your systems around asking the right questions, charging for those extra services. I think that's incredible. We have another great question. I think Willie wants us to spill the tea, boo. We're going to spill some tea. Yes. William wants to know, he wants, he wants the numbers. Okay. How much were the quadplexes? What do they rent for? What's your average daily rate? What's your net profit? And I will tell you, William is an avid investor in the space okay. and invest in really great vacation rental markets. So he's always tapped in and looking for the next market. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Midtown. What do you remember that the prices on, on the, the quadplexes, if you can share that with us? Sure. Okay. Let me see if I can go back and remember um, the numbers. Anthony's the numbers guy. This is his, this is his area. So forgive me if I'm not exactly on point. So the first quad that we acquired, that was 600,000 and some change. Again, remembering that although it was in Midtown, it was a little shanty townish, meaning that <laughs> we walked in and we were looking around and we were like, oh, this is going to need a lot of work. But we could see the unique value. Anthony has kind of like this, this, this model, right? Where he wants the worst house in the best area. Yes. Man after my own heart, lady. Yes, yes, yes. Because, yes. Yeah. You can get the best house in the worst area, but you can't pick up that house and move it, right? Mm -hmm. But if you could find the best area that you can afford and find the worst house, you can always make it into what you want. And so with that first quad, that's basically what we did. That's how we were able to kind of get in and leverage, leverage that space and make it into what we wanted. Um, and again, it wasn't an, an initial renovate because we couldn't afford it. Just full transparency, we couldn't. It was a little bit at a time that we did. Um, when the pandemic happened, we closed down the house and we were like, this is a great opportunity to try to get these other spaces done. And that's what we did. So again, 
focusing on perhaps maybe the worst house in the best area. So that was like about 600 and some thousand dollars. And so what about the rent, the monthly rent for those four? On average, I know we spoke a little bit about anywhere from two, four to what remind us, what were the- So for that first quad, the rent roll was, we were in the red. And the reason why they were under, they were not market value rent, again, because the place needed so much work. Mm -hmm. So when we purchased that first quadruplex, we weren't turning a profit at all. Um, the, I'm trying to think, I think the highest amount that we were receiving for rent was maybe 900 and some change. And that so your short-term rent. So what is it now for the first, for, for all four? For all four, let me see. I'll give you one better. Let me hold on a second. Let me see if I could pull up some numbers. And while you're looking uh, at that, what is your, how's the occupancy looking for those? I know those are constantly booked. They are. So now that we're kind of experiencing this whole Delta variant thing, it's kind of slowed down like a little bit, but in the beginning of the summer, we were almost at 90 to 100% occupancy. So we were netting for the three quadruplexes and again, they were not all long, they were not all short-term rental yet. Because remember I said we had four tenants move out over the summer. So from June till July, we had tenants moving. But I would say that we were doing like 40,000 a month, 40 to 50, somewhere around there. And again, this was not with all 12 on the market. As, as long-term rentals. Nice. So about 40 to 50K for 12 units per month. For less than 12. So, okay, let me think. In June, I'm thinking that we were about closer maybe to 50. Mm -hmm. And we had maybe, maybe nine units. Nice. Approximately. Yeah. So in terms of like the nightly rates, mm -hmm. we use a pricing software. Oh, what do you use? We use, we use Price Labs. Nice. Yes, price Labs. So what's great about that, because Anthony and I would have big fights over the whole pricing thing. <laughs> and it took him a while to kind of, you were the catalyst. But it's <laughs> I tried to tell you, I kept trying to tell you. Game changer, okay. right? I'm over, absolutely. Not having to like worry because we still work. So he works full-time, I work part-time and, you know, trying to constantly going to, because his, his system was going to Airbnb and seeing what the other uh, competitive uh, listings were charging per night and kind of like going from there. And I'm like, I, I, my brain, I'm not going there. So that's your job. You focus on that. I'm focusing on the designing and the cleaning and everything else. But I felt like we were leaving money on the table because again, you have to be doing this all the time, you know, and you also have to be knowing about knowing everything that's going on in, in, in your market. When are the high days in which there are lots of travelers coming into the area and Airbnb, if you market on Airbnb is kind of stepping into that space. So if you look at your calendar on Airbnb, you'll see little black dots. 
And those are usually days that Airbnb is kind of predicting that it's going to be a high travel um, day. So they're kind of indicating to you up your prices, um, so to speak. But again, it takes you having to look at that calendar every single day so that you don't miss out on those opportunities. But when you have the pricing software, you don't have to do that because the pricing software, their algorithm takes care of all that. And it doesn't mean that you don't want to look at your calendar and see what your nightly rate is you do, but it's not foremost on your brain because you know that pricing software systems in place is taking care of that for you. Nice, nice. And I know that you probably saw some major changes with that, right? We saw record-breaking months when we changed to utilizing a pricing tool. And that's why I started singing it to the mountaintops. I was like, get this pricing tool. It was really helpful. Absolutely. And it looks like we've hit our top of our time. Lorena, I'm going to have to have you back. Oh my gosh. And I know there are a lot of pointers that you have in store for us, but I definitely want to keep the conversation going. Guys, Lorena is a phenomenal operator in this space. Um, I've seen her help so many people, so many people get started and get on their feet. She's been to properties. She's helped to style and design. She is a hands-on operator. So be sure to tap in with Lorena. If you have questions, she's there to help. She has a consultant business. She can definitely get you going. If you're just getting started, be sure to tap into her. What's the best way to reach out to you, Lorena? I know you're busy a nurse, OBGYN nurse that works nights. Do you want, does messenger work for you? Do you have a website? How do you want them to tap in to get on your calendar to, to start that conversation? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. So you can follow me on Instagram. I am Sleep Lux Atlanta on Instagram. On my bio on Instagram, there's a link tree. You can set up for a 15 minute consultation if you just kind of want to talk and see how I can assist you. And if you already know this is what you want to do and you have acquired your, your space, whether you're arbitraging or you are going from the long-term rental landlord space to the short-term space, but you're a little bit apprehensive in terms of acquiring everything that needs to be done and need a little bit of hand-holding, I have a package for that too. So again, you can follow me on, on Instagram, click on that link tree and connect with me there. And you can always shoot me a DM or shoot me a message on Messenger as well. Awesome, awesome. This has been so amazing. You know, and I, I don't just say this for the audience here, this, I, I connected with this lady as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, you know, we, we navigate uh, and we triage and we troubleshoot together as we um, go through this journey, guys. So Lorena, thank you so much for coming tonight. I have a few more questions that are in the chat. Be sure to tap into the conversation and help me answer some of these questions. I think Absolutely. I would love to. Absolutely. And I want you to get some rest and have a great evening, guys. We're going to continue to provide this type of value in this Facebook Live. I want you guys to get all of the tea, all of the good information. This is for operators who are working um, full-time jobs, part-time jobs. These are busy professionals, but they can do it. And if they can do it, so can we. All right. Well, thank you, boo. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.